0: It used to be that we have, um, you get into your car, and in order to open the window, you had to go, you remember that? You had to go, do you guys remember this? Yeah, I remember. Yes. In order to open the window, you had to, sw- yeah. Yeah. and then if it was fogging, for some reason I'm still doing that with my car, but if it was fog, you'd, you'd have to go outside and like scrape all the... Yeah, that's in England, so you guys don't even know what I'm talking about, uh, English problems. To Canada, East Coast, but if you have a good car, it would look after itself for you. So um, what's really cool is that nowadays you have a remote and it kind of knows when you're about to get to the car, there's these cars that you get to it, especially you know, the rental ones that look good on the outside, but they're not so good on the inside. So they, you, go, you go, you press the button, and it, it just starts the engine for you. It does everything. Just one button. Right? And then now the apps, it knows where your phone is. It's unbelievable. So there's that one button. And uh, it's that one button you press, and the car just locks. Or it's that one button you press, and the car opens. All the windows that were opened, just that one key. Boom, everything closes. Or that one key, everything opens. There's some things in life that are like that too. It's just press that one key, and everything else works out for you. You press that wrong key, and everything else fails along with it. And one of them is happiness. If somebody's happy, many other things follow through. Your work is better, right? All the things work. It's like one button. If you have that right button on, all the other things start working. The car works. The, if you get that switch off, you can't even get into your car. Right? If the switch isn't working, boom, the whole car doesn't, no access. You have to call up a special company. They have to come and help you. And There's ways to do it, but it still take your time. The only way to get into the car is if you have the button. The same thing in life. There's certain times if you have the right happiness in you, According to Jewish teaching, that's one of the keys for everything else. According to Jewish teaching, we had over a million prophets. We had over a million prophets, and not just one dude that came along and said his thing. And over a million prophets in Jewish history. And believe it or not, in prophecy or not, it's one of the 13 things that we're meant to believe in. But Jewish teaching tells us, that in order to have a prophecy, a person would have to listen to music. He would be in a very happy state. You might say, okay, he's so happy, maybe it's not even prophecy anymore. He's thinking weird stuff, you know, in his happiness. But let me tell you something. You, can't, you can achieve the greatest of the greats, according to Jewish teaching, if you're happy. If you're not happy, you can't get nivuah. you can't speak to God. The key... To, speak to God. They will do everything. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says that a person, in order to be happy, it's so important in Jewish teaching to be happy, that a person should joke to himself, just like look in the mirror, hey, until you get happy. And that way, even if you don't believe in it, you're upset, do anything, make yourself look stupid, put some socks on your head, I don't know, just get yourself crazy, so that you laugh. Because if you do stupid things to make yourself laugh, you're gonna be happy. And then the key is open for everything else. The car is gonna work. Now that does not mean schok wash. There are different types of laughters that are dangerous. Some of them one of them is schok wash, which means laughter and lightheadedness. What does that mean? It means when I take somebody who's serious or I take a situation that's serious and I laugh at it. It says, It's like a blockage before recognizing that this is a serious situation, before punishments, before serious moments. So, for instance, Rosh Hashanah comes or Yom Kippur comes. Okay? And someone could say, Hey, you know, it's Rosh Hashanah, let's, uh, let's make a joke about it and you know, make a comedy. Comedy is great, but it can be dangerous because it can make you laugh at things that are serious, like life. Make sense? If you laugh at real life and you laugh off, you can brush off serious things about life, you know, uh, things that you should be taking seriously. For instance, somebody made a joke about his wife and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't tell him anything. I'm not going to be this guy who's going up to him like, you know, I didn't like it. Um, because it's, his, it's someone who's serious, it's his spouse. It's the person that he's married to for life. It was a real, it was a dirty joke, but it's your spouse. You know, even if it's somebody else, I wouldn't, be a, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. But your spouse, that's the person you love, that's the person you marry. That would lead to eventually leaving your relationship. If you make laughter about something that's serious, so that's the thing, that's the one time we don't, in Judaism, want to laugh. We don't want to laugh about things that are serious, like life, children, our wife, our family, our husband. Those are things that we avoid laughing at, or teachings of Torah, or laughing at a rabbi, or whatever, I mean, whatever, me is different, but you know, uh, Someone who's, in your eyes, serious, and you laugh it off in order to avoid that connection. That's something we avoid doing. But outside of that, a person must force himself to laugh. If you feel sad, sit in a mirror and and smile to it for 10 minutes and say, I'm alive, I have a heart, I have arms, and then walk outside. (laughs) It sounds crazy. But force yourself to laugh in the mirror. Don't ever let yourself be upset for one minute. It's against Judaism. You won't achieve. You're locking your door. Sadness is a way to. Lo- That's why I believe. If anyone is any in any situation of atzvut of sadness, you're in. Ha- First thing, get out. Go go jog. Go do some sport. Don't stay in your room and lock yourself. That's a place where you're getting sad. Get out. Get going, you know, go on a hike. Because do anything. That's it. In Judaism, we do anything and everything to avoid... Go to Beach, right? I don't know about that, but do everything. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's actually a really good joke. So, uh, I mean, it took me time. So, but, but do anything to be happy. That's Jewish teaching. Now... There are things, there are ways that we can make ourselves happy and I'm going to be speaking about some of them, things that I've spoken about in the past and then other things that I've never spoken about or kind of you may think are obvious, eight different ways of emunah, of faith that you can use to help you being happy. So please stay with me. But I want to first talk about gratitude because that's the first and that's exactly what we're taught in this week. The It says that when the Jewish people come into the land of Israel, the first thing they need to do, this is this week's Torah portion, the first thing they need to do is, in those days, they would live off uh, farming. Everyone was farming back in the day. And all their food, they, they would live off their farms. They would have no other food otherwise. There's no fridges, there's no... Uh, uh, storage. If you didn't grow your produce, you don't have produce. Everything was grown. So everyone was a farmer. Most of the people were farming. And the Torah tells me that when you have your first fruits, as soon as you move into the land of Israel, you're comfortable. Ah, I made it. I have a house. I, I made it. The Torah you be careful. Dangerous. Because you might get used to the good you have. And what would you do? Say, ah, it's worthless. That's called the Yitzhara, the evil inclination. What does the evil inclination do? It makes you sad. Why does it make you sad? What does it tell you? What's sadness? Do you know what sadness is? When it tells you that everything you have is worthless. My life is worthless. My job is worthless. My family is worthless. My house that I live in is worthless. Everything I have is worthless. That, because why? I need that one thing. That's, that's sadness. Sadness is when the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, something in me is telling me, all that I have is not worth anything. I need that one thing. And if I don't have that, everything else is worthless. That's the Yetzirah. So what are we meant to do? The Torah says, take your first fruits, the basic food that you have, the first fruits that grow in your land. And a Jew was meant to, if he lived in Israel, back in the day, he was meant to take that first fruits and take it to the temple. He'll put it in a basket and he'll say a special prayer and wave the basket. And everyone would look and say, you crazy people, what are you doing? What are you doing with this basket? But he would put the fruits in the basket and he would start waving it. Hey, here's my fruits. And what would he say? He'd say, Do you know where I came from? I came originally from Egypt. I never had this land. And look where I am now. He start all the way from the beginning. He wouldn't just say I came from Egypt. I was once a slave in Egypt. I had nothing. And then we were there for many, many years. Then we left and we were free. And then we eventually we came to the land of Israel. Now we have this fruit and it's my first fruit. And eh, right, that's, It's not good enough. This is something that we train our children. That when you say thank you, you don't just say thank you. You say thank you with details. So what happens to my kids is, Okay, so I say to them, what do you say? Thank you. What for? Oh, um, for what you gave me. What did I give you? And I make them realize that they actually got something. You know why? Because if I don't train them to say thank you, they're going to be grumpy kids. And as is, I'm not training them enough, right? You've got to train them to say thank you all the time. Why? Because they get used to what you've given. The worst thing as a parent you could do for your child is just give them free gifts all the time. What? A good parent would give their child everything all the time? No. The worst thing you can give your child is to give him gifts all the time. Why he didn't earn it. And then what happens? Oh, this is I should have got anyway. I deserve it. So give me more. What's the example that's given? There's an example that's given. Mashallah Mahda What's a parable? That can really make us feel what happens to us in life when we start feeling comfortable and then we get depressed because of the lack of gratitude. So, the examples given of a guy that has a great business, he's doing really, really well, but then he gets sick and he gets paralyzed. God forbid, not on anybody ever, but he gets sick. This person gets sick and he can't walk anymore and he can't work anymore. He has a family. Sometimes it says, people, human beings, have lots of thoughts. I'm going to make this money. I'm going to live till this long. I'm going to have this job, that job, that job. Boom, COVID comes. Yeah. We didn't think of that one, right? Boom, Delta comes. Oh, I didn't think of that, right? And then COVID 20, God forbid, right? There's, there's, there's things that you don't think of. There's a lot that we think we are in control, but there's so much more that we're not even in control of. And here's an example: somebody who is healthy. This is the example that's given. He's healthy. He's working. He's got everything. His whole body. He's got a job. He's got a business. But because he can't function, everything falls apart. He doesn't have a job anymore. And what does he have to do? He has to start running a fund-raising campaign. He starts knocking on doors. He's embarrassed. He's going to ask his friends for money. He doesn't know how he's going to survive the next month. He's got all his bills. Everything went out. Claimed his bankruptcy. He's got no money. He's got to feed his family. There's no way. He tried. He decides to move to another town. Travels to another town. No one knows him there. And he starts knocking at doors of different members of the community. And he says, please help me. I'm stuck. I'm paralyzed. I need to look after my family. Please help me. And he gets a bit money here, money there. Starts getting some money. People are helping him. But then he knocks at one door. They told him, yeah, there's a guy here, really good uh, philanthropist, and he'll help you. Please go there. Knock on the door. He knocks on the door. It's his best friend from school. His best friend from school. he all know. He's so embarrassed. His friend said, what? That's you. What's going on? You're knocking on my door. Come in. I want to help you. What's going on? What's your situation? He tells him his whole story. He lost his business. He's paralyzed. Please, his friend says, "Listen, I can't see you asking people for money. I'm going to help you every month. Every single month, I'm going to give you two thousand dollars. Please, I'll send you the I'll send you the cash, cash only. Uh, don't ask anybody for, don't ask anybody for money." He "Okay." Goes back to his family. He tells his wife. We're going to be covered, not a lot, but with a big family, but at least this. So his family, his wife's happy, and they start getting the money. His friend even says, don't even come back to me. I'll send it to you. And every month, he's sending him 2000 Every month, he goes to his P.O. box, and he looks in, and he sees $2,000. But eventually, comes the month of Nissan Passover. And he's a good Jewish man, and he wants to celebrate Passover, and there's costs. You gotta buy the matzah, and you gotta buy the meat, and there's this and that, and it costs. And he realizes $2,000 is not gonna be enough in the month of Nisan, in the month of Passover, with all the things that we do. Not gonna be enough. So what does he do? He thinks to himself, What am I gonna say? I can't ask him for more. It's so embarrassing, but I really do need more. He wishes, he begs, please, maybe he'll think of it and give me extra. He goes to his P.O. box, and what does he see? He sees in, his, in, his, uh, in the book, the envelope, $4,000. Wow, he thought, my friend thought of me. He didn't just give me 2000 he gave me $4,000. Ah. <laughs> Calls up his friend, and he tells him, listen, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the $2,000. What? I, I gave you 4000 you know that? Oh, no, I know, I know. But the 2000 you give me every month. So I just want to thank you for the extra 2000 Obviously, that's not the right way to react, right? You should be saying, thank you for the 4000 That's how it is in life. For years on end, we've been getting good, 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 good. My eyes, who thinks about walks down the street thinking about their eyes and how, how they work and that we can see? Who walks down the street thinking about all the $2,000 that we've been giving God's been giving me every month. Eh, It's meant to be mine. It's meant to be mine. Why why is it meant to be yours whilst in another country people are trying to escape and survive? You know where I'm talking about, right? People are desperate to get into a closed airport to escape, to come here. And somehow I'm complaining. What happened? I was given every month $2,000. Boom, another one. Why am I ignoring those 2,000s that keep coming at me? Ah, no. When it goes extra nice, thank you God for the extra 2,000 that you gave me. What about the 4,000? You've been getting 2,000 every month. Let's think about the 2,000 that we get every month. We get a lot more than that. And that's why it says, God does creation every day. There's a reason to thank Him every day. Every prayer we say, my whole soul is going to thank God. And it says Kol a in Hebrew, is also the word for neshima. What's neshima? <laughs> breathing. "Kol neshima say. Every breath, which is where the soul comes from, a person's meant to thank God. We take that for granted. Oh, I'm breathing. Yes, that's great. <laughs> I walk. That's great. Yeah, of course, we have some people that work in a hospital. Right, you see some crazy stuff, things all the time. Things that people, people, take for granted. We take for granted. You know, some there's a doctor that I know is the most God fearing person I've ever seen. It can happen the other way too. But there's some doctors that are very God fearing. There's one that I know, from back in the day in England, the most amazing God fearing doctor I've ever seen. Every minute, yeah. yeah. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. He's full of joy. He's a doctor, but full of joy. You know why? Because he sees, it's not that he's sad for those people that are suffering. It's not that he's not sad for those people that are suffering. But he sees what it is to have the, th- the basic things that we have. We take them for granted. Just take it for granted. And by the way, that's how you're meant to pray in Judaism. You want to know how to pray? Someone once asked me, called me up. He says, Rabbi... You know, Judaism, we have prayer. How, how is it meant to work? I've never prayed before. Can you give me the just of Judaism? I told him I'll give you the just of, of prayer in Judaism. I'm not going to start teaching you Hebrew too much, right? It's going to be a whole year till you get there. But before you start learning Hebrew, let me teach you the just of prayer. Here's how it goes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can you help me with something I need? Right, that's how it works. Do you know why? We say, Modani? Thank you for letting me wake up. I admit, thank you for... Hashem, I can see. Mateh I, can, I, can, I can clothe myself. I can move. Right? So, Kefka fufim, I can straighten my back. Thank you, Hashem, for the... Right, that's the Jews. Baruch atah, baruch atah Hashem. We made a game once. We brought a bunch of students to our house. A game. Let's do a skit. Each group makes a skit. We did a game. It's like a uh, what's it called when you get get to know everybody? What's it called? Icebreaker. Um, icebreaker. So we did icebreaker. Let's do a skit. Everyone did a different skit. So one group did a skit where they're playing a game, and everything they do is before they do it is like Baruch Hashem, and that was the joke. Baruchat Hashem, they were a basketball team. a basket, you know, and through it. So it was like a joke, and I was like, great. That's Judaism. Not to that extent, but that's Judaism, you know. Thank you for the bathroom. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I told him, you want what you want? You want God to give you what you want? Here's how you do it. You say thank you for everything that happened till now. Don't ignore it. The eyes, the mouth, the, the, the legs, the... Right? A, start working on your thank yous. It's simple. It says in Jewish teaching, the way that it works in the worlds above is very similar to the way it works in this world. This world is a model, according to Kabbalah, of the, of the real world. Meaning that if you look at this world, how, how does it work? How do you achieve things? One is you work. You do the right thing. You, more or less, you achieve. Second is you give off good vibes. Let's say a child comes to me and says, Hey, Daddy, can I have uh, 50 bucks? Wait, 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 wait a second. You know, I am a, I, I, maybe I have some money to give you, but what are you going to do with it? Why? Sounds, sounds like a bad dad. I'm talking about a four-year-old kid. Okay, a four-year-old kid says, dad, can I have 50 bucks? What are you going to do with it? Let me ask you a question. What's more likely for me to do? My child's moaning all day, upset, sad, angry about everything. Then comes to me and says, hey, dad, can I have 50 bucks? Or a child that's happy, excited about life, happy about everything that's happening to them, then comes to me and says, Dad, can I have 50 bucks? What's the odds that I'll give them the 50 bucks? Which one? The second case or the first case? Both. Some people will say, both, I'm a good dad. It doesn't work like that. When someone's not happy, then the last thing you want to do, the last thing you want to do is allow them to be even more ungrateful. If you're not happy with what you've had till now, I just gave you 50 bucks five minutes ago. What? Right. If you're not happy with what you happen, had till now, who says you're going to be happy if you have more? You've got to prove, this is Judaism 101, you've got to prove that you're happy with what you've had till now to be able to ask for more. That's how it works. And it works with your kids too. It works the way, the way that I work with my kids. That's the way that it works in this world. If you're unhappy, right? If, you're, if you made $100,000 and you spent it, burnt it, wasted it, right? And that was money that you made from an investor. An investor came to you and said, Hey, I believe in you. You have a great business. Here's $100,000. And he finds out you wasted all 100000 Why on earth would that investor give you more? He's investing in you. He wants to see that you've done something with the first 100,000. That's how it works in this world as well. God's invested in you. He gave you health. He gave you life. He gave you good looks. Some amazing looking people here. Right? He gave you good looks. He gave you wisdom. How much have we got? You know, everything. Teeth that work. At least most of all of you. Right? Right? Uh, body that works, breath that works, the mouth that works, the ears that listen, the eyes that... Constant, my heart that's pumping. I get so much blessing at me. What's going on? And I, I'm unhappy with that? I, mean, I, I like to check myself out in the mirror. You should. <laughs> you should. So anyway, that's 101. That's Judaism 101. It says, have gratitude. It says, Vayaki <laughs> tavo'i You should be happy with all the good that Hashem, your God, has given to you. Who gave it to you? God. Not just anybody. God. Do you know what that's like? Let me just think about that for a second. This is the mindset that everybody needs to walk around with. You know what that's like? It's like waiting to see the president. Okay? Whatever it is. Like him or not. Whatever. Let's say back in the day. You were waiting to see... um, a 100 years ago, right? The, 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 you're waiting to see the president. No, like, you know, good 50 years ago, the president was someone that you respected. Now it's everyone. <laughs> I'm t- now it's like everything's so. Everyone's out. Half the country hates the, the president each time. So what's the difference? I'm talking about, you know, good, good 100 years ago, I think people were more respectful. So anyway, let's say. There was a president coming to your town. He's coming on your street. Thousands of people are waiting for him. And you're excited. You believe in this president. You're waiting to see him. And you're standing there in the heat all day. You camped outside early because you know that he's coming and you're excited for him to come. And you're waiting, but it's hot and you're sweating. And as the cars come past, these beautiful... SUVs are driving by. One of them has the president in it. You look to your friend and you say, listen, I'm so hot. I can't, do you have some water to give me? And your friend, before he even has a chance to give you the water, the car that's in front of you, the SUV stops, opens the window, (laughs) right? Not that way, right? This way. Opens the window and it's the president himself. And he says, sir, are you looking for some water? right? <laughs> <laughs> and he gives out, takes out the bottle of water and he gives it to the person that was thirsty. He's now got a bottle of the water from the president that he was waiting to see for one second. Waited the whole day. He got a water from the president. He ain't going to drink it. You know what he's going to do? He's going to take it home. He's going to take it home and put it on auction on eBay. And if it won't go for a few million, he'll keep it. Because I got the bottle that came from the president. That's what happens to us. In Jewish teaching, the creator of the entire universe says, I want you. I created you. This is how we believe and we walk around thinking. That we are created for a reason. And the creator says, I want you. I want you next to me. I'm going to give you the water. I'm going to give you the eyes. I believe in you. That's why I put you here. I want you to walk, talk, breathe, think, go. I believe in you. That's what he says. And he brings us into this world. Right? The creator of the universe. So when you think about your eyes and your ears and your mouth that talks and your body that works, it's not just a gift from anybody. It's not just a random existence. It's coming from the creator of the universe. Ah, it's a different way of thinking. Imagine everyone thought that way. Religious people. Right? Imagine every, forget religion right now. Just imagine everyone thought that way. That the, everything I have was given to me, not by anything, but by the creator of the entire galaxy, the entire Milky Way, the entire universe and beyond. Cared about me and gave me... It's another whole ballgame. Right? That's why it says... You should be happy with all the good that Hashem, your God, gave you. Not just anybody. It wasn't anybody that gave you good. It was the creator of the universe that gave you good. Makes it a whole new... That's how you should be happy. But there is one more thing. Before I talk about emunah, which is faith that can help your happiness, because without it, depressed. Even if you sit in a mirror saying... You're still not going to be happy. Because you can't. Life has challenges. Look at this. Look at this past year. We're now coming to Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is coming. On Rosh Hashanah we say, who's going to live? It's not the most uh, exciting prayer, but it's true. It's a reality. Um, what do we say in that prayer? Who's going to live and who's not going to live? Did we know? Last year? Look at Surfside in in, in uh, Miami. People were in that building sleeping. And the building fell. Right? Sorry. Recording went off. Right? So who? Miami. Think about Miami. And what happened there. Did anybody know? And then we say, "Me Becherev, who's by sword? Who's by fire? That was fires. Who's by water? Floods. Every year, crazy things happen in the world. And we hear about it. Didn't happen to me. We hear about it. It's in the news. Didn't happen to me. It's okay. Every type. And you look at this past year and you say to them, wait, what, what, what kind of crazy world is this? And then now Russia Hashanah is coming again. Delta, COVID. We thought we're over with COVID. Now COVID again. Can you not leave me alone? COVID! Right? COVID's back again. COVID. Right? It's gone. It's over he God. amen amen <laughs> but you can't decide even all the people that are angry with covid you can decide whether covid you can decide to say you should be va- shouldn't be vaccinated should be vaccinated believe in it you don't believe in it reality is people are running around talking about it and driving us crazy about it so whether you believe in it or not even if you don't believe in it the reality is it's around it's being spoken about so it doesn't make a difference whether you believe in it or not it's happening the, the, and whether you believe it's real or you don't believe it's real, something is annoying you, right? So it exists. So we, we, we look and we say, wait a second, what's going to happen? What's the one thing that we can do to overcome the fear that is instilled in the atmosphere and stay happy? Now, I told you about gratitude, but there are other things. There was a man... In the Talmud, one of the greatest rabbis of the Talmud's name was Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan had a horrible, most difficult life that you can imagine. He had 10 sons and buried them all. One after the next, they all passed away. His last son, I don't even want to say how he passed away. It was so terrible. Maybe I'll say. I don't know. It's so, so sad. But it was 2,000 years ago, so maybe you can handle it. There was a pot of hop boiling water, and his child fell in it. And he passed away. His last son, can you imagine his last son? He took a tooth, he buried his child, took a tooth from his child, and put it in his handkerchief. The greatest rabbi of Jewish, one of the greatest rabbis of Jewish history. Put it in his pocket. And he would walk. For the rest of his life, he made a commitment to teach the Jewish people. And he would go from home to home. Every single home, he would hear about somebody who lost a family member. An Avel in Hebrew, it's called a somebody who's mourning. He would go to their home and he'd come in there with a tissue and a tooth and say, You see this? This is the tooth of my 10th child that I buried. And look at me. I'm still supporting the community. I'm still a rabbi. I'm still a teacher. How am, I, how, am I, how am I able to do this? How am I able to do this? You know why? Because I believe that this world is not Everything. This world is a corridor to the world to come. This world is it goes quick. People live till 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, how long? 50, 60, 70, maybe 80. By that age, it says by 100, someone's already considered that's it, he's gone. When you look at a 100 year old man or woman, you say that's it, they're gone, they're out, they're out. So what's the point? How long do we live already for? And he would go from house to house Every time someone's mourning, he says, that's not the main thing. Don't worry. The main thing that you do in this world is, Good deeds. Keep going. Keep going. And he'd go from house to house. He spent the rest of his life doing that. Studying Torah, but also going from home to home of every single person that lost a family member, and he would support them. He would give them hope. He said, look, my tenth child, but it's not everything. In the world to come, I'll see my child again. It's not every, how did he have such strength? How did Rabbi Yochanan have such strength? You know what it was? It was Torah. Da, 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 da. It was the study of Torah. He was able to think and raise his way of thinking to a level where he saw the world in a different dimension. That's what you get through the study of Torah. He was so deeply engrossed in his Torah study. He was able to overcome and see the world as the way it really is. Not the way we think of it sometimes. As everything. And when he saw through his Torah study that it's, every, he was, it's told about Rabbi Yochanan. He spent most of that time after his tenth child passed away. Learning with another rabbi called Reish Lakish. Eitan, you remember Reish Lakish? We've spoken about his story too. Crazy story. Rabbi Yochanan sees Resh Lakish. You know what happened? Rabbi Yochanan was washing at the river. He lost his tenth child. He was washing himself at the river. All of a sudden he sees from far a man, a bandit, his name was Reish Lakish. He's coming at full speed towards Rabbi Yochanan. He's like, what's going on? Who is this? He jumps over the river, a massive river. He jumps right over lands right next to Rabbi Yochanan. And he says to Rabbi Yochanan, Shufrach tenashi. Rabbi Yochanan, you look so beautiful. That beauty is for women. Sorry men. It's uh, anti-male, this story. But that beauty is for women. You shouldn't be so beautiful. So Rabbi Yochanan looks at him and says looks at Rish Lakish and says, khale leoraita. Such strength. Such strength to be able to jump over a river like that. That strength is for teaching Torah and studying. To, you need to turn that energy for something better than that. I believe in you. khale leoraita. Your strength is for Torah. And then Rabbi Yochanan tells him the great, famous statement. He says to him, I have a sister. If you think I look good. He was the descendant of, 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 of Yosef at Tzaddik. He says, if you think I look good. I have a sister that is really beautiful. And I believe she would marry you. But you'll have to commit yourself to Judaism. And Resh Lakish did. Crazy story. And Resh Lakish started learning with Rabbi Yochanan. Because Rabbi Yochanan believed in him. A bandit. He says, you have that strength. It must be used for Torah. A bandit. And Rabbi Yochanan believed in him. He didn't have nothing to do. He was a man that studied his whole life. He was the greatest rabbi of of that generation. But he went and sat with this bandit day in, day out until he taught him everything. You know what happened at the end of his life? When Rabbi Yochanan became an old man, this Rish Lakish, who now came a great rabbi of the Jewish people too. This Rish Lakish passed away. His student, his rabbi eventually passed away, Rish Lakish. And Rabbi Yochanan lost his mind. It says... He lost his mind. He went crazy. He started screaming in the market. He used to go in the streets. Where's Rish Lakish? My life is worthless. He lost his mind. And do you know what happened? The rabbi said, he, it's so embarrassing to have such a great teacher of the Jewish people for so many years lose his mind like this. There's no way that we can revive him. There's no way that we can heal him. He's looking for his friend Rish Lakish. We've tried to comfort him. We've tried to help him. We've sent him to... They decided at that point to pray for him to, to leave this world. He suffered too much. He should die and leave this world, then stay in a crazy state, embarrassing the, people, the world. So they prayed for him to pass away. And he passed away. Crazy story. They prayed for him to pass away, and he passed away. Isn't that crazy? So... There's a lot to learn from that story, but one thing that we know from it is for sure. Rabbi Yochanan eventually lost his mind. You know why he lost his mind? Because he didn't have his Torah study anymore. He didn't have his to- Torah partner. There's a great rabbi, there's a great rabbi, Rabbi Vadya Yosef, who, was, who passed away about six years ago, very holy, Sephardic rabbi, chief rabbi. And... Um, When his wife, when his wife passed away, when Rabbi Vadya Yosef's wife passed away, she was everything to him. He had tremendous love for her. And he would cry, he was crying for hours on end. He was crying, crying. It says, according to Jewish, if somebody cries too much, they can hurt their eyes. It's dangerous to overcry. I'm not talking about for 10 minutes, an hour, but if somebody's really, for days on end, crying, 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 they can hurt their eyes. It's dangerous, damaging for the eyes. His children, Rabbi Yosef's children, were scared for him. His son, Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, is alive till today. Big, big rabbi. They have many of his books here. His, cho- his son, Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef, saw him crying like that for his mother. He said to him, Dad, he made up a story. He, said, he, started, he decided, I'll ask him a question in Jewish law. And maybe that way he'll stop thinking about his wife that passed away and he'll get into it. So he asked him a question in Jewish law. Dad, I have a question. There's a story, didn't really happen, but he told him, this is the question. There's a story in the hospital of somebody that was passing away. And he was about to pass away and his children were with him. And according to Jewish law, as soon as somebody passes away, you can't do any mitzvot. You know this? He's considered as an onen. There's seven relatives that a person has. Brother, sister, parents, uh, wife, children. Seven general relatives that if, um, if they pass away, until they're actually in the ground, until they're buried, a person's not allowed to do one mitzvah. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to put on tefillin. You're not allowed to pray. Not No prayers, nothing. You can't do anything. Till the person passes away. You can't be Jewish. So his father, this son, asks his father. He asks his father, listen. There's a story of someone that was in the hospital. And he was sitting there. And his dad uh, was very sick. And he said, wait a second, I'm going to pray now. Starts praying. In the middle of his prayer. He's in the silent prayer. In the middle of his prayer. He hears that everyone's screaming, his father passed away. As he's praying, what should he do? Should he stop? This was the question he asked his father. Should he stop? If he stops, it's as if the whole prayer was wasted. You said God's name for no reason. If he continues, maybe he shouldn't continue because now his father passed away. And you can't pray when your father passed So what should he do? Keep on praying. Rabbi Vadia Yosef says, Ah, don't worry. He starts thinking, he's crying, his eyes were burning with tears. And he starts thinking, he says, yes, the answers in this book, in that book, someone 200 years ago said this, that one said that, this one 300 years ago said this, this question's already been asked. And he started going to the books. Suddenly, he was in a different world. The whole world that he was in suffering and his wife, and he suddenly went into a different world. That's what the study of Torah does. When somebody's able to work, yes, work is important, of course, but spend every single day, I'm telling you this will change the way you think of life. Spend every day involving yourself, indulging yourself in wisdom. What did I learn wise today? Is there anything that I can learn that I didn't learn yesterday? Am I wiser today than yesterday? Or did I just receive a better, you know, a, a better paycheck in my job? Did I, did I come a bit wiser? Judaism says you are never going to be happy... If you stay the same 20 as you will be when you're 70. If you're going to be 70 years old. But just nothing much has changed from when you were 20. You ain't going to be happy. And it's going to hit you at some point. Whether it's 40, 50, 60. A person must always indulge himself in wisdom. Did I learn something new today? And not just wisdom but the wisdom of Torah. How I should think. What's happiness? What's sadness? What's All these things that we're talking about now, these are so important for a person's life. You have to be going this way. If you're going like this, your happiness will also go like this. It's very, because that way you feel that you're living a life for a purpose, with meaning. And there are ways today. There are so many podcasts that you can listen to with Torah teachings in it, and wisdom. There are so many ways that you can listen to, besides for your work, but on the way to work, on the way back from work. It says, Hashem It says those that are connected to God, that are connected to the wisdom, that are doing the upright way, they are happy in their hearts. And it's a key to your happiness. So we said gratitude, we said Torah. But I do want to finish off with some other things as well that will make you happy as well. I wrote down a list. There's a list of eight things. See, I'm going to share some wisdom from paper. That you need to have trust in. And this is so important. Why do we get upset sometimes? Because we think that we control the world. We think that we are the masters completely of ourselves. And are we? No. Some parts of it, but not completely. Look at COVID. Look at those people that were in Surfside. Look at the way that the world works. People think that they're in control. Boom, things change. And when I put too much faith in me, what happens when I fail myself? I get depressed. I say, oh, it didn't work. It didn't work. And that's the power that somebody can have is through bitachon. I'm going to tell you eight different ways now. Okay, I'm not going to, it's going to be quick, quick, quick. But eight different areas that a person needs to strengthen his trust, and I'll tell you what that means. Areas where you need to strengthen your bitachon in order to become more happy. Don't think that you run the world in these eight areas. I'm going to tell you them quickly because I don't have much time. Maybe another time I'll go into it with more depth. Number one, your health. I'm healthy. I've got a six pack. That could be the way that I'm thinking. And I look so good. Who says? Just it takes one little thing in my body and everything could change. So I got to put in my effort to be healthy. But don't put your trust too much in your health. Meaning, put in your effort to be healthy. The rest, God takes care of for you. There's another example. I say to myself, I've tried so hard to lose weight. I've tried so hard to lose weight and it's not going. It's kind of more what I say. Right? I'm trying to lose weight. Trying to lose weight. It's not going down. It's not going down. What happens? You get depressed. Why are you getting depressed? Because you put too much faith in your efforts. Don't put too much faith in you. You've got to do your part. Be healthy. Healthy so that you could serve God. You could be a better person. You could be more applicable. You're more confident. But no one says that you have to demand yourself the perfect body. Right? That's called emuna in your health. I have faith in my health. It's something, whatever situation I'm in. Whether I am healthy or not healthy enough. I need to strengthen my health, my my faith in that area. If I don't, eventually it's going to hit me. And I'm going to say, wait a second, why why is it not going my way? Why is it, you know why? Because you think you're in control. It's taking, it's letting go. That's what it is. It's having a sense of humility and saying, I know that I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do as much as I can. And not get depressed if I don't achieve fully to the highest of levels. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, pan nasa. If somebody thinks I am in control of how I'll make money, what was when I suddenly lose my job? Just now in Israel, there was a massive fire. They claim maybe it was arson attacks in Jerusalem area. Massive fire. There was one religious man who lost his entire business, massive business. Of winery. A very well known winery. I forgot what it's called. He lost his entire winery. Thousands of bottles of wine. The whole business. The whole warehouse burnt to the ground. Nothing. You should see him on video. Oh, I have to send really him. Know, right? What? It like a couple, of weeks ago. couple of two, a week ago. You should see the owner of this business speak. He said it's all from Hashem. I know that there's a better plan. I don't see it right now. But I have faith. I'm not in control of everything. Unbelievable faith. He's it's hard, but with that level of faith, a person could survive the biggest challenges. Okay? It's to say, I'm gonna put in my effort, but at the end of the day, I'm not in complete control. I didn't control my birth. I didn't choose to come into this world. I don't choose when I'm gonna leave this world. I don't choose how much money I'm gonna make. He gave me, said, you know, in Hebrew we say when someone passes away, do you know what we say? Hashem Natan. And Hashem gave, and Hashem took. Yehi Hashem. God should be blessed. He also gave me that person. There's somebody. There's somebody I know, who lost his spouse at a young age. And do you know what he said? It was amazing. Walk into his into the mourning home, where everyone's uh, the house of Avelut Everyone's Everyone comes to visit him. You don't say anything in a house of mourning. You walk and you sit down. You wait. He says. God gave me 20 years with this girl, with my beautiful wife. I had 20 amazing years with her, and he was just talking about his 20 years of blessings that he had with her, as opposed to talking about how hard it is that he's not going to have the rest of his life. So I had 20 years with her. It's like wow. Right? There's two ways of looking at things. That's called emuna, where I also I have the right balance. I realize Hashem Natan, who gave it to me as well? The one that gave it to me has the right to take it from me. Who gave it to me for these 20? Do you know what it's like? It's like the building. You know the story? tall building. Someone's throwing money from the tall building. Everyone's coming. Whoa, money, money. They all come running down. Everyone's picking up as much money, taking bags, filling the money. Wow, bags. Whoa, amazing. Look how much money's coming. All of a sudden, from the top of the building, the guy stops throwing down money. He starts throwing down rocks heavy rocks. Hey, where's that coming from? You know? When it doesn't go my way, everyone starts looking up. Where's it coming from? When the money's coming down, ah, great, let's just take it. I don't care where it's coming from, just quickly, let's go. The main thing is, no one sees me take it. You know, As long as no one, no one should see me in the camera. But when it's not going my way, I look up, I say, where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Hashem Natan, Hashem Lakach. He said, my wife, I had a wife for 20 years. It's a tremendous level. how does he get to that level? Emunah. Okay, so Emunah is in Parnassah. Faith is also in having children and having a spouse. Ah, I'm dating, it's so hard. There's no Jewish guys out there. There's no Jewish girls out there. There's a lot here, but never mind, it's rude. No Jewish girls out there. No Jewish guys out there. It's a lack of Emunah. Of course, you just need one, one. You don't need ten. Okay? We're not in some f- f- strange place. You just need one. You just need one. That's all. And what does it take? A person needs to put in his effort, go with dating in the right way, put in the effort. But when we put too much effort, you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens. You go on the date, and you say, when we, you know, Have you ever thought about marriage? Right? And what does she do? Ah! I never, never want to see you again. Right? Why? Because there's no emunah. Of course, you should, be th- you should be focused dating. That's something which is really important. When you date someone, I'm not wasting my time. I'm not here to be boyfriend, girlfriend for five years to figure out whether we should be thinking about each other or not. Right? I've not got time. Then I'll be, end up 40. Oh, wait, that was a waste of time. Right? No. Dating should be focused 100%. But at the end of the day, when a person does date, if you're relaxed, you have emuna, if it's gonna work, it will work. If it doesn't work, I'm gonna put in my efforts. If she says no, obviously she didn't she wasn't lucky enough to have me. She wasn't lucky enough, that's confidence. But also emuna. When someone portrays when someone portrays that energy of emuna, of faith, it's attractive. So a person needs emunah in his, in, in his wife, his future wife or spouse, and his children. Some people don't have children. I have a friend who never had children for 17 years. He told me it was harder, he also didn't get married for a long time. It's harder to be married and not have children than to be without ch- looking for a spouse. The pain of not having children is something which we can't understand. The Jewish people have an amazing organization called bone Olam, which help people with infertility. I don't know if you've heard of it. But bone Olam is an incredible cost. Infertility cost is tremendously high. But thank God, there's an amazing community that helps for these things. Emunah, faith. Faith is that if I do have one, that I'm happy with what I have. If I don't have it, First of all, now I have time to do other things. I don't have to be busy with my children and my wife. I can focus on other things. But also, have faith that when I date, I'm going to be dating. I'm not going to put in the right... The, the, you know, people date the wrong person because of a lack of faith. I don't believe I'm going to get someone better than this. I don't believe it. So you know what? Let me just stay with her. Let me just stay with him. It took me this long to get this person. So you know what? I may as well stay. At least I have the comfort of this person. It's one of the reasons why people date wrong. Because there's a lack of emunah. That God has someone for you and He's waiting. He's going to give you that right person in the right time. Okay, so that's number three. I'm going to tell you quickly the last, the last uh, five and then we'll finish off. Okay, number four is what's in your heart. Okay, this is something that you have to have faith in as well. That you will spend your time rightly. Somebody, you live your life, and you say to yourself, wait a second, I'm working, I'm doing this, I'm doing... some people, they get bothered all the time. Calling, annoying you, this one, that thing, then you've got this letter to fill, that form to fill, that thing to fill. You don't have time for yourself. And there's some people that get their things done quickly. A person needs to pray, and have faith, that he will... Do what he needs to for his life. Quickly. And spend the rest of his time in his life to do the right things. It's really important. So that's called faith in what's in your heart. How you feel. There's faith in how you act. That I, where The way I act is going to be... It, there's some people that are so nervous to do anything. They say, I'm not going to do anything. I stay in my house. I lock my door. I'm not going to do anything. For instance, people are nervous to speak in public. I was... You should... Do you know, I'm not nervous now. I don't know if you could tell. But I used to be, I would shake like a leaf like this before I spoke. Like this. But eventually, through the action and through my emuna, I believe that it was through a lot of my emuna that I'm doing this for the right causes. I don't care. Let me embarrass myself. And you do the action. That's called faith in action. When you do something, you say, listen, I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know how good it's going to come out, but I'm just going to do it. So there's faith in your heart. There's faith in your action. There's faith that I won't be hurt. There's some people that are scared to go into the street. Maybe there's an animal that might come and hit my car. Maybe when I walk down the street, there's going to be this shooting going on. There's shooting. There's this. In California, you're allowed to steal up to $1,000, and you won't get in trouble for it. I'm never going to leave my house again. Right? There's faith. There's a person that we used to live in, a, in, in our old house. There used to be someone who used to come to me. How do you have events in your house? The next day, how do you do this? How, you, you have to be careful with this. You have to be careful. I'm like, I didn't say anything to her. But afterwards, I'm like, I'm going to live. I'm not going to sit in my house, locking my door and say, oh, I'm worried about this. And I'm worried about that. I'm worried. about it. It's a lack of emunah. I'm going to work. I'm going to get out. I'm going to do. I'm not going to be worried about what's going to be. I'll do whatever's necessary. I'll put whatever's necessary in order to make things work. But there's some people that have been so closed about, let's say, with COVID. And I'm not getting into political things. Now, it is political for some silly reason. But let's say with COVID, right? Some people that wouldn't even go anywhere. They wouldn't even get out of the house. For a whole year. Well, you can still go jogging. There's, you know, there's outdoor space. No, that also not. This not that, not that, not that, not that, not. You're not living. I didn't say that you shouldn't. You know, at least within the within the boundaries of what they say you can do. You know, even that not. I'm not judging. And everyone's got their own life. That's for sure. By the end of the day, there's faith in living. There's some people that say I'm never going to open a town with why because maybe I. I won't learn it right. And I won't do this right. Too much thinking. None of that. Okay, so There's, there's faith that I won't be damaged. Okay? Faith in the Jewish people. Not just individually. There's also a concept of having faith in our people. That at the end of the day, we've been through a lot. But the Jewish people are still going to be strong. Yes, I will find a Jewish wife or husband. Yes, I can build a Jewish home. Yes, Judaism is special. There's faith in Judaism and the people. Okay? And the final thing, which is so important, and that's actually hidden in in this Torah portion as well, is faith in the world to come. So important. Because if I believe that this world is everything, if I believe that everything is in this world, and that's all there is, then I'm going to be depressed at some point. You know why? Because suddenly this person passes away suddenly this person loses money suddenly this car breaks down suddenly this gets stolen if you don't have faith that this world is not everything that's what in Jewish teaching this world is considered like a door, it's considered as like a corridor to the big hall the big banquet hall some people they come into an event and they get stuck at the entrance for hours and they met someone they speak they get stuck at the end, but they didn't even come into the event. Hello? That's what it's like. Some people get in the corridor, they come in, they get invited to the king's palace. And they're like, wow, 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 it's so nice over here. Where did you walk? Where did you go? You were only there for one hour? He only let you in for one hour. Where did you go? I went to the corridor of the palace. Why? I was so interested in the paintings on the corridor. I didn't even get to see the king. What a waste. That's how it is with people in this world. Sometimes we get too stuck in this world. We think that this world is everything, when it's not. Yamenu It says in Jewish teaching, our days are like a shadow. Like a shadow, like a blimp of an eye. A year goes by, another year goes by, another year, I don't even know, it's 2021, coming 2022, it's insane. We're going into 5782, it's, it's that's another one, another year, another year, another year, when? When will we realize that everything in this world is just passing, and at the end of the day, what we take with us is the good deeds, the mitzvot that we do in this world? Anyway, my blessing to you all is that you should all have a k'tivah a good year, a sweet year. One second, that went off again. Uh, we should all have a sweet year, a blessed year, a year of happiness, a year of meaning. A year of doing good, a year of uh, finding your spouse forever and ever, (laughs) and uh, building a great Jewish home, of building Jewish families, and um, only, only, tvarim Tovim, only good things for everybody, a year that's sweet and happy and good for everyone that's here. And uh, if you do have any questions, please uh, throw them in, or if you want to say, that you hated this conversation, you can say that too. Sure. It, it's no? no, because you said about the Rabbi yes. the church, are, uh, That is a very good story. That that story actually also with Rabbi Avadi Yosef there was a big big rabbi who came very, very sick and his whole body was was suffering to a point where it was very holy man, and he was brought in from Geneva to Israel. And Rabbi Vadi Yosef again, uh, this is a rabbi in five years, six years ago. He took ten of his students, the, his best students, with him, and they went round this rabbi. And whilst they were there, his wife said to his wife said to the rabbi, Rabbi, I don't know if you can pray for him to get healed, but he's already been like this for seven years. He's a vegetable. In bed, he's already seven years. I can't live my life anymore. I'm back and forth from the hospital. I don't know, but can you do something? Whether it's to live or die, I can't live like this. That's what she told the rabbi. And the rabbi knew. Rabbi, this is five years ago. The rabbi went with 10 of his students and they went around the person's bed 10 different times, or seven times, like they do on, uh, on Simchat Torah, on the holiday. They went seven different times and each time they threw tzedakah inside the middle. And they said special prayers, special tea, special prayers. They went round seven times. Two days later, this lady came and said, thank you. My, my husband, unfortunately, he passed away. And I'm able to move on with my situation. Now, Judaism is against euthanasia. It's against putting someone to sleep. Even if they are in a situation which is very, very bad, we're against us being the ones that actually do the act of killing now, there are situations where we guarantee that the person's brain dead, not able to function, that they would, right, in such a situation, they would allow you to take off the, 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 the stuff that we're keeping him alive with, not, the mach- not kill him immediately, but stop feeding him the, um, the drip. So that way that the person will pass away on his own. But never, and this is against Judaism, are we meant to be murderers, no matter what the situation of that person is? You have to understand when somebody is about to pass away, if they are conscious, even if they're in pain, if they are conscious, er, in, in physically, it might seem that that person's worthless. He only has a minute to live, he only has another second to live. Physically, he's worthless. He can't play sports again, he can't do this again, he can't go on vacation again. He's in bed, he's worthless. But spiritually, do you know what you can do in one second? You can donate millions of dollars in one second. Spiritually, in one second, somebody can do amazing things. There's a rabbi that lives here. You should, you should do research about him. He's a Chabad rabbi who, who got ALS. He lives in California. He lives here. He got ALS. And already for about, he's a Chabad rabbi. He's already six, seven, six years that he's been in bed. He cannot do anything besides for move his eyes. And he writes every week a Deva Torah, and it's written on his blog. Have you heard about him? Sounds familiar. I forgot his name now. Um, Yitzi, Yitzi, what's his name? Yitzi Horowitz. Horowitz. Research Yitzi Horowitz. He says I have. There's a video. I have ALS, and I still matter. And he every single week he writes a blog. A Deva Torah, a really deep one. It's short because how much can you do with writing with your eyes on a machine? He can't move his entire body like this. The only thing he can move is his eyes. And every single week, he writes a blog. He should be given the Nobel Prize. He really should be given a Nobel Prize for what he does. And and Unbelievable. Until this this week he writes, last week he wrote, every week he's writing another blog. And uh, he has a, a following... He has a big following, so don't ever say that somebody's worthless because they are incapable of physically moving. They are in spirit. Physically, they might be not worth much, but spiritually, they're worth everything. And that's why we're against euthanasia, but we're not against it if the person's already with Rabbi Yochanan. Was a very unique case, and that's where Rabbi Vadia Yosef learnt that he's allowed to do it with this rabbi that was passing away. He he was like a vegetable for six years. The rabbi five years ago learned it from the Talmud, from this story of Rabbi Yochanan, where they realized, the rabbis realized, even if they would wake him up, pray for him to heal, he'll get crazy again. Because he'll remember he lost his ten kids. He'll remember that he doesn't have his study partner for Torah. And he'll be sad because he's not studying Torah the way he's meant to be. And that's what keeps him alive. So they realized there's no chance with him. Whatever they do... Even if they revive him, there's no chance with him. So they said it's better that he doesn't live. But in general, we're against putting someone to sleep if, if they're conscious about their own existence. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. You, sure. Any other questions, thoughts? All right. Okay, so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed and uh, you had a good time.